You may be seated. Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be always acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. Well, it really is good to be here um, and to uh, see faces. Um, I've been, uh, it'll be almost a year, been doing a daily broadcast on Facebook. And, um, but it's, it's a strange experience. I'm still not used to it because when you're, it's, you teach or, or preach to a screen and the person on the screen is you, you know? So, um, you know, I always approve of myself when I'm doing it. But, but you also just notice things about yourself, you know, like it's like staring at a mirror for an extended period of time. So it's good. And I've been preaching around the world, but it's also via uh, Kathy sits there with the camera. And so I got an audience of one. And she always approves of what I'm saying. And, uh, but then it's broadcast, so I don't see the people. So it's good to be here, finally get out of the second vaccine, so I feel like I've been liberated from the twilight zone. And just, just to, to be here and then uh, worship with you. Being back at the cathedral is being home for me. This has always been my home. And um, I'm still the bishop of the place. You know, my picture hangs on the wall. So, uh, um, I haven't entered the gallery of former pastors. You know, anybody, you know those galleries, you go to church and there's all these old men lined up in photo photographs. And I haven't got there quite yet. And um, so uh, I'm thankful for the leadership here that is, uh, particularly Father Brett, who's, um, um, who's I mean, ministered through this uh, pandemic, you know, crazy, crazy, uh, Bizarre pandemic. I thought 2021 was going to be a little different, you know, but uh, Puxaquani Phil, the groundhog, uh, is part of the worldwide conspiracy and uh, has predicted this, what they call the Arctic vortex, where you have windmills in Texas frozen. I mean, uh, just to let you know, the next thing coming is locust. So. <laughs> So, so, so get ready. Well, here we are at the start of Lent. And uh, believe it or not, this is where we started a year ago with the pandemic. Uh, little did we know how much we were going to give up for Lent. You know? Uh, uh, remember a year ago, they said 15 days. We're, we're going to shut down for 15 days and flatten the curve. Well, that curve should be underground by now. I mean, but it's... Apparently they didn't get that one right. And uh, so here we are, but we're seeing the, the end of the tunnel, the light at the end of the tunnel. Let's just pray it's not a train. And um, so, um, but here we are at Lent and Lent's, Lent, I like Lent. A lot of people don't. I really, I like Lent. Uh, um, I think self-examination is a good thing. You know, the psalmist says, examine my heart, O God, and show me any anxious thoughts. Um, and I like that, examine my heart, because uh, my heart can deceive me. I know yours doesn't, uh, but mine does on occasion, you know, really get deceived. And so I like the Lord, and I like taking the time every year and going through Lent uh, and the journey of, of Lent, because it leads 
ultimately to Easter, you know, Good Friday and Easter. And Lent, uh, Lent, uh, uh, this is my 71st Lent. <laughs> you know, I'm 71 years old, so I've done Lent 71 times. And uh, every year, I, it just drags stuff out that's really good. And uh, there are two, ref two things I think that have been on my heart about Lent as I've been preparing for it and then now in it. Two, two lessons that I'd like to share with you this morning from the, from the gospel. The first is, we're going to die. We're going to die. Nothing you can do. You can wear that mask and cover yourself in plastic, and you're going to die eventually. You're going to die. Death is real. I think the pandemic has driven that home. I don't know about you, but I've lost loved ones. I've lost some dear friends during this thing, particularly around the world. And holy, righteous, godly, good men, and some very young. You know, it's known as an old person's need, but I've lost some young men. And uh, one in, in Venice, a dear, dear friend of mine, who uh, just broke my heart. We lost a bishop, CEC bishop, 60 years old. And what's been driving home, I don't know about you, is death is real. And we, we kind of forget that, I think. We kind of live as if we're going to live forever. But we're not. You know, this, this, I mean, we will live forever in eternity. But the, and that death, we should be prepared for because that's our rebirth. Amen. See, if you really talk about being born again, you're born again when you die. That's it. You'll be born again into glory. And the where you get born again is at the cross. And what happens on the cross? Jesus died. Not half dead, really dead. You know, really dead. He, he took on, he died in our humanity. Fully human, he died a horrible death. Now, given that, let me cheer you up with this. Aren't you glad you came? They, um, we're weak. Not only are, are we going to die, but we're weak. You know, we don't want to face that. That's part of it. We, we don't want to pay, you know. We try to live, I think, somewhat of denial, but we're weak. We're weak when Jesus calls us. Now listen to the call of Jesus. I like the way Jesus defines things. You know, I read a lot of books. and There's got to be three million definitions of discipleship, but I like the one Jesus did. But if you want to follow me, and that word follow means, do you want to participate in my life? It's more than just walking behind. We'll follow, and, and it is, it's, I'm gonna, his life is going to become my life. It is no longer I that liveth, but Christ that liveth in me. Amen? Amen? The life I live. In him I live and move and have my being. Amen. You know, that's not just a song we sing. That's actually in the Bible. You know? See, if you follow that, in him. And so he's calling us. He said, if, what do you want to do? Do you want to follow me? He never asked anybody if they want to be saved, by the way. He says, do you want to follow me? And if you do, here's what you need to do. 
You need to deny yourself. Oh, come on. You know, Lent comes along and we make the, the supreme sacrifice of not eating ice cream. <laughs> or we give up the things we should have given up anyways. You know, I've been on 71 Lenten diets, you know. <laughs> they last about a week. Because I'm weak. You know, it's like I go out not eating meat for Lent. Well, by Wednesday the following week, I'm having dreams of McDonald's, you know. Because I'm weak. You follow me? I think Jesus tells us to do that so that we find out how weak we really are. How much we really need him. Because we're weak. See, the good news, though, is when we're weak, he's what? He's strong. He's strong. And if we don't get that down inside of us that we're weak, we'll never let him get strong. You see? So I know a lot of people, I decided several years ago, all these people are trying to get strong in the Lord. I'm trying to get weak in the Lord. I want to die weak. You know? And all these churches, you know, people write me, we need a really strong church. No, we don't. We need a really weak church. You see? You know? We get that. How many have been praying for the nation? No, if my people who are called by my name, and then we go, we'll pray. That's not the verse. It's will they humble themselves. And then, here's the biggie, turn from their wicked ways. Yeah, you see, that, that's, that's where, it's tough. <clears throat> that's why the disciples didn't get it. And then you got to pick up your cross. You don't pick up your resurrection, you pick up your cross. Because the cross is the only way to get resurrected, by the way. you got to pick up your cross. And what is that cross? That cross is not your mother-in-law. Or your boss, or whatever it is, you know. The cross is dying to your self-will. And that's the battle that Jesus fought, by the way. And we're going to participate in his life. See, we're going to, I'm a charismatic, so I believe participating in his life also means signs and wonders and miracles and healing and all of that stuff. You know, I, I mean, I'm charismatic. I'm a tongue-praying, prophesying charismaniac. But, but if I'm going to participate in his life, if I want that participation, then i got to participate in his death and resurrection. So Paul prays, Lord, may we come to share in the sufferings of Christ that we may know the power of his resurrection. No suffering, no resurrection. Following? That's hard. I don't know about you. That's, that's a tough call. But that's the way of discipleship. And then he says, then follow me. Follow me. Nowhere did Jesus say this is going to be a piece of cake. See, now that might not sound like good news, but it is. Not only good news, it's great news. Because it's a path beyond what the world can offer. The world offers birth and death. And you're lucky you get to birth. 
if you're born after 1973, you're a survivor. Your mother decided not to kill you. And then you had to slip through your adolescence. You know, and she decided not to kill you again. <laughs> you know, but there are a lot of babies today don't make it, not because they are miscarried, it's because they're murdered. By the very people who are supposed to love them. Think how sad that is. But it's more than that. And it's more than just death. God only knows that this pandemic has taught us anything. We were talking on the way over. Deacon John picked me up at the hotel. and Just the sad. I've been so sad about, I mean, just weeping some days about the number of people who died with nobody there with them. Alone, not even to have their grandchildren be able to say goodbye. Just there. But it's more than that. See, Jesus comes and says, it's more than just this. It's death, and there's an enemy we must face, but that death has been defeated. Christ on the cross becomes the glory of God revealed. Where does God show his glory? On the cross. That's the love of God. When we look at the cross, and I, I, the cross with the body on it, we are seeing the love of God for us, that Christ entered in us. Right? Not around us. Christ in us is the hope of glory. Do you know Christ is in you? The God of all creation that holds the universe together is in you. And he loves you. He loves you. You are in the love of God. You can't live more in the love of God than you're living right now at this moment. He's in you. And the problem is, or if there's an issue, are you in him? See, are you in him? We have the ability to walk in Christ. To be part of, and the reason a lot is to be part of that incredible, extravagant, selfless, sacrificial, unconditional love of God that tore the temple curtain in two so that we have gained access today, right now, into the very presence of the living God and we come before his throne of mercy and grace. And our call as a disciple is to share that to become the eyes of Jesus. There's nothing worse than somebody who has Christ, says they have Christ in them and looks at sinners with the eyes of judgment. Nothing worse. It's blasphemy. We're called to look like Jesus looked at us. Aren't you glad? See, I'm really glad I was a sinner. I say, what now? Now, really, Bishop? I'm really glad. You know why? Because I found a Savior. I couldn't have found him if I wasn't a sinner. 
And the prerequisite of getting saved is being not saved. You follow me? <laughs> the prerequisite is that you're a sinner. And I was, and I still am, by the way. I need a Savior. I don't know about you. Amen. Anybody here doesn't need a Savior, please, I want to make an appointment with you. So you can, <laughs> you can show me how to do that. <laughs> I've been trying all my life. And then I thought I could raise my children without sin. Now that's getting stuck on stupid. Amen? You know what I mean? Okay. Some off, I said the right things, did the right things, bought them all the right Christmas presents. They would not sin. No, they're sinners. Cute sinners, but they're sinners. You know? The blessing is, I let them live and I have grandchildren. But they're also sinners. My two-and-a-half-year-old grandson just got suspended from nursery. <laughs> Do you believe it? I thought he'd at least wait till second grade or something, you know? Well, my daughter's saying, what should I do? I said, I don't know. <laughs> Look at you. <laughs> but see, we're weak, and I thank God for the Holy Spirit that's made me spiritually alive, that's begun a good work in me. Amen? And he's going to be, bring it to completion. You know when that is? When you're dead. That's when completion is. It's not like next year. But you're bringing it to completion, living to participate in his death and our death becoming one. Now here, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15 reads, I love this quote, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. Aren't you glad you've got a Savior who sympathizes with your weaknesses? doesn't judge them, doesn't condemn them. He sympathizes with your weaknesses. Look, he's a savior that's been trying to get us not to sin. <laughs> to live higher, to, to come up to what he's really called us to do. And he sympathizes, he knows how hard it is because he's been tempted in every way as we are. Did you read the story this morning? Jesus comes and he gets baptized. He partakes of the human journey because he's human. God is human. And he goes through the waters of baptism. One of the church fathers said that Jesus entered the dirty waters of the Jordan to make them clean so that we who are dirty can enter those waters and be made clean. Say, so be washed in him. Listen to 1 Peter by baptism. Read, read it again. It's heavy. See? So he entered those waters, and then he did it, and he heard the words of love from his father. His father loves his son. 
I'm well pleased with you. And then he was anointed with the Holy Spirit. And what did the Spirit do? Didn't feed the 5,000. Didn't heal the sick. Didn't cast out demons. He was driven into the wilderness to be tempted by Satan. And that temptation, I'll tell you what it is, it's another sermon, was to not do the will of God. That was this temptation, and he fought it, fought it again. You know the second time he fought it? Was with Peter. Remember, he explains to Peter what God's will is, and what was God's will? That he was to be crucified like us. And Peter says, no, no, there's got to be a better plan. I've said that to God. You know? <laughs> got to be a better plan than this. You know? But your will be done. He says, get behind me, Satan. And then again, the first blood that Jesus shed was not on the cross. It was in the Garden of Gethsemane. And he prayed, your will be done. He was driven into that wilderness. No food, no water. Well, he had food. He had grasshoppers, if you like that. And there was, in there and being tempted day after day by the big gun to give up God's plan. And yet for love of us, he comes out of the desert. He comes out. So the good news for us is that if you've been tempted, we have a God who's as close as the next breath. The temptation's great. I don't want to underestimate it. You know, I have a tendency to tell jokes, but it's real, if you've ever been there. And here's what I know. I want to share with you you know, sin, sin is basically just missing the mark. It, it's, uh, it's trying to live out being the image of God, which is to receive love and give love. I mean, that's what we're called to do. You're made to be loved by God. And you're made to love everybody. Okay? And I know, like, if you're like me, you have a short list. But it's really beyond that list, you know? And I'm serious. You know, I would get to this point, God would put an unlovable person in my life. And uh, believe me, there are some in the church, not you. And, um, you know, they're the people that just, you know, no matter what you do, they'd come in your office and poop on your desk, you know. And then I'd have to work it through that I've got to love this person. And by the grace of God... I would come to this point, and I said, God, you have got me to the point, thank you, Jesus, that I am loving this most unlovable person. And then he'd send another one. <laughs> to show me what? I'm weak. And I didn't get to love that person anyways. He did it through me. He brought me to my knees until I loved somebody sacrificially, selflessly, extravagantly, like Jesus loves me. Now here's the problem. Here it is that we, God wants us to live in this high level of humanity and we keep returning to this depravity. 
we keep returning back down and embracing those things that just make us less than human. Terrible things. And we come, and how we get there is through this temptation. Now, here's something profound. It took me a lot of theology books, seminary, to get this. And so you need to remember it or write it down, put it on your cell phone. And it's real, real profound. Temptation is tempting. See, you're not tempted by things that, you don't, that aren't tempting. Tempting means that you're tempted to do it. You're right there. You see, I mean, it's just a step away from doing it. And it doesn't take much. Just a little deception. And here's another truth. Deception is deceiving. Or they would call it obvious. <laughs> so you're not even know when you're being deceived. See, that you actually convince yourself that you're on a diet and you can convince yourself in a matter of minutes that chocolate mousse has no calories. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's not going to hurt you. I've seen it. Now, on a more serious level, I've seen it with people <coughs> who are addicted to alcohol or drugs who have ended up in prison in the orange suit set. And they, I mean, really go through a whole prison thing, go through rehab, go through Christian rehab, and get out of it and get tempted, deceived that somehow they can just have one more drink. They can just have just this last time. And they end up dead. I've buried them. And what happened? Did they go to hell because they no. But they died less than human. Not that they were like an animal, but they left the humanity. You know what I mean? That's not the way it was meant to be. It's not the way they wanted it. And so what we need to do is we need to learn. Here's the secret with this. Is to abide in Jesus. And it says that when we abide in Jesus, he abides in us. See, don't abide in your love. Like how much you love people. You've just opened yourself to be a liar. You know? Come on, you got the list of people you really don't love? How about forgiveness? There's a biggie. It's a hard one. No question, being a disciple, hard one. It's hard to go, Father, forgive them for they know what, what they do. I know my prayers, Father, I can't forgive them because they know what they're doing. <laughs> and if I forgive them, they'll do it again. Don't you understand? How do I know that? Because that's how I am. <laughs> but Christ in me, you got it? Christ in me, if I abide and release that in me, then he through me loves he through me forgives. It's Christ in me, the hope of glory. It's about Jesus. 
who's come to share our humanity. And when we get through this Lent <laughs> of doing this, we come to terms with, I'm dependent on God. Totally. For everything. Totally. So I think that's what the pandemic is teaching us. You see? There, there's a... <laughs> You know, I look out and I've got this thing in my head from the pandemic is, I don't know. People will say to me, do you think this thing is going to end soon? I don't know. Think a mask will work? I don't know. <laughs> think the vaccine's going to work? I don't know. And what I know is they don't know. They just tell us they know. So that we can be confident in man that they know. But I know he knows. God knows. Now, I'll obey the science. I wear a mask. I've been vaccinated, you know, um, you know, and uh, like I said, I feel like I'm set free from the twilight zone. It's, you know, I'm glad I did it. But my dependency is still on God. If we can learn as a church anything through this, it's not that we survive but that we're totally dependent on him. And that the church learns to live a life, you and I, learn to live a life of Christ in us. That we're Christ in us and knowing he'll never leave us nor forsake us. And that, my friends, is the good news.